for the material things, for the spiritual things. We thank you. Father, teach us to use what you've given us, what you've created us with in terms of our being, what you've given us in terms of spiritual gifts, what you've created us for in terms of living lives that exalt you and spread your gospel of Jesus Christ. Teach us, Father, to be what you'd have us to be in this life, preparing us for the next. God, open our hearts to your word today and bless what we hear and be blessed by all we receive. We pray this in your precious name. Remember the birth of your first child? See, moms have a better memory than dads do. Moms can probably remember every detail from the time of the of of the discovery until the time of the birth, and maybe even a lot more after that. You remember that time. And as you think about that now, <coughs> you probably relive the wonder. I mean, I remember somewhat when we found out that Timothy was on the way. But I'm sure I don't remember nearly as much as Kathy does. But I remember the wonder, I remember the mystery, the excitement as we found out that she was pregnant with our first child. Everything was new. That's not so much like that when it's your second, third, fourth, and so on. But because it was new, it was bewildering, and some of it was a bit frightening, some of it worrisome, and, and, and especially for the moms, I mean, because they had never felt this before. Their body was being affected. A child was growing in your womb. And yet there was a sense of adventure, a sense of wonder to it all, as the baby began to develop in your womb, and you could feel it move and kick. You could see that footprint. Or the first ultrasound, and you could hear, you could see an image of your child growing in the womb, and you could hear the heartbeat of that precious baby. Dads, what about you? There probably weren't as many emotions for you as for your wife. I mean, after all, she was being affected by hormones, and you weren't, except by hers sometimes. But you were there. You were there watching the baby grow doing your part to make preparations for the, the birth of the baby, for uh, a place for the baby to sleep and to grow. You were there supporting your wife as she went through the first trimester. And see, it's been so long since we've had children. I don't even remember when morning sickness was. I'm relieving it somewhere around that time. But we were there supporting her through that time the first trimester and the second and then the third, and you were there when it was time for the baby to be born and you felt the wonder of the miracle of procreation and birth. Now, imagine going through all of that and being unmarried. And not just unmarried in our day and time, but at a time when and in a society where premarital sex 
was punishable by stoning and death. Imagine being a young girl, maybe 13 to 15 years old like Mary, recently betrothed and faithful to the Torah and to the God who gave the law. Imagine the fear, the worry you would have over whether your betrothed husband would still want you or not. Imagine being her betrothed husband, finding out that this beautiful young virgin that you paid handsomely for is your child, and knowing that that child is not yours. And to you, that could only mean one thing. It could only mean that your beautiful betrothed was unfaithful to you and to the covenant that you cut with your family and hers and the covenant between her and God. Imagine the fear, the worry, and the anger that you would feel. Today, I want to read for you the stories of two individuals whose lives were intertwined. They were betrothed, yet not married, not cohabiting or procreating, yet committed to one another as if their lives depended on that commitment. They were betrothed, committed by a covenant of blood to each other for the duration of their natural lives. They are Mary and Joseph. Mary we read about first in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. We'll turn immediately and read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And if you have your Bible, I'll ask you to turn there and stand as we read. Luke chapter 1. 26 to 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Then the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 1. And we'll read verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public, her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about those things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Will you bow with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Father, that you provided your son in such a way that there was no doubt that he is your son. Father, I pray that as we experience this text this morning, that, Father, you will help us to know the peace that we only can have through your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that as we go through this Christmas, this Advent season, Father, that you will help to share this peace with others, to let them know that in Jesus Christ, they can have peace with God. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We've read this story many times. You know it so well that it seems almost uh, unnecessary. But it's such a, um, well, first of all, it's the word of God. So not only, I mean, I can say it's such a good story, okay? And there are some stories that are good stories that aren't true. And so you want to hear them over and over and over again. This story is a story that is true. And you want to hear it and tell it over and over again. It starts out now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. In the sixth month. Well, if you go back just a few verses, what we find is we find the angel Gabriel also going to uh, Elizabeth to tell her that she's going to have a son. Well, going to Zacharias first to tell him that Elizabeth is going to have a son. And Elizabeth was well advanced in years. All right. I mean, and uh, and beyond the childbearing age. And yet she's going to have a son. And I think I, I love the the um, the opposite pictures that we have here. This woman who was so old that she couldn't have children. She was barren, never had any anyway or yet. And now she's so old that it would be ridiculous to think that she'd ever have a child. And yet God comes to her and says, you're going to have a son. He's going to be important. He's going to make way uh, the path of the Lord. And then sends the angel Gabriel to Mary and says, I know you're just 13, 14, 15 years old. You're only betrothed. You've never been with a man, but you're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. You're going to get pregnant. You're not going to get pregnant through normal means, but the Holy Spirit's going to cause you to become pregnant. I love the picture of both of those, the young 13-year-old, and we don't know how old Elizabeth was. I love the opposite picture of all of that. And it says at the end of all of this, um, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived in her old age. See, the angel can call her old. We can't. For nothing, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So it was the sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth who was going to give birth to uh, Jesus' relative, John. And Gabriel came to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Joseph was of the house of David. We see that this is important because what we read further on later on is he will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, had to be descended from, from David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So we find out here that, that this virgin was betrothed to Joseph. Now, we've talked about betrothal many times, but it, to me it never gets old. 
the whole idea of betrothal in the Hebrew time, which to me is a, is, is a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of the betrothal that, because see, I have to believe that we are now in the betrothal period between Jesus Christ and us. And I can explain that to you. I'm going to try to do it quickly. You see, in the betrothal, what they would do was they would cut a covenant. They'd take an animal. They would cut it in half, and they would make a path. They would walk down that path. They would get blood on their feet and on the hems of their garments, and they would share a cup of wine, and they would commit themselves to each other. And I'm leaving out some details, but they would commit themselves to each other. The man and the woman would commit themselves to each other, and they would say, I am going to be faithful to you for the rest of my life on the threat of death. And if one of them was not faithful, then they would be sacrificing their life because of their unfaithfulness. Well, you see, when Jesus Christ, and then what would happen was uh, the man would go home and he would prepare a home. He would build a house on onto the house of his father or build a house a little bit further away from his father where he could take his new bride to become his wife. When the house was ready, he would go back and get her. While he was building on the house, she would be going home and staying with her mother and her father, learning from her mother how to become a good Hebrew wife. And so when Jesus Christ walked that path from the, down the Via Dolorosa through the, that, that bloody path to the cross, he made that covenant with us. This is the new covenant in my blood, he said. And then when he ascended to heaven, he went to prepare a place for us. John 14, 6, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. And one day he was going to come back for us. And see, what happened in the Hebrew marriage was, as that house got closer and closer and closer, the man would believe that it was time, and he would. And, and when it was time, he would talk to his father, and his father would say, now's the time, go get your bride. And they would go blow a trumpet in front of her house, and they would come out and they'd have a, have a, a celebration. They would consummate the marriage and have a seven-day feast. One day, there's a trumpet going to blow, and Jesus is going to come back for us, and he's going to take us home to the place that he's prepared for us. And so that's that picture of betrothal, and that's why it never, it never gets boring or old with me. And so when they, and, and the thing about betrothal is it wasn't quite marriage yet. They were considered husband and wife, okay? They were as committed and as uh, bound to each other as you could be. And if one of them were to break that covenant, then it would be, uh, I mean, it appeared to Joseph that Mary had broken that covenant. And he was a just man and wanted to put her away silently, not wanting her to be put to death or stoned. But that's what could happen. And so the commitment of betrothal was just as strong a commitment, a bond, as the actual marriage. And so they were betrothed. He was of the house of David, and because the virgin's name was Mary. doesn't give us a whole lot of other detail here. just says her name was Mary. An angel went in and said, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And then the scripture, and I, and I like that picture. That, that word rejoice can just be hello or hail or greetings or whatever. It was your typical Hebrew greeting. It, it wasn't any... Um, uh, anything different about what he said, okay, with that rejoice. But there was something different than he said. And he said, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And the Bible tells us not that, not that Mary was troubled because of the presence of the angel. I mean, I don't know about you. I've never seen an angel in person. 
and I'm, I'm not sure I want to, okay? Because I'm pretty confident that, that I would faint, that I would be scared to death. And if you think about it, and you see all the times in the Old Testament when people saw angels, uh, they were pretty frightened. They all have to say, do not be afraid, all right? And I'm also pretty confident that if an angel said that to me, that his words are going to be calming enough that I'm not going to be afraid anymore. But I've never seen one. But it doesn't say that she was troubled at the sight of the angel. What it says is she was troubled at the words of the angel. Considered when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, the first thing he said to her, of course, is rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. I love that whole picture because what what that tells us is that Mary was a godly woman. Not the Lord is going to be with you, not the Lord has been with you, but the Lord is with you. This is the present tense here. He is with her. And that would say to me that he has been with her, he is with her, and he's going to continue to be with her. He's got something for her, and I'm thinking that that might be what was disturbing and troubling to her. What's going on? Why is he with me? Why? I mean, why? you think about Mary, a 13-year-old girl, maybe 15 years old, who, who probably a very humble person from a city that was not well-liked. You know, the Galileans weren't reciprocally, weren't specially loved by either other Jews or by the Romans. And so she was from that area and and um, not thinking that she was worth much. The angel said, do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God. And you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, there's a lot of parts to this announcement here. And. And I, and I love this whole picture because he says, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will have give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. There's five things that we see about Jesus there. Five things that are very important and five things that, that of course, didn't happen in the lifetime of Jesus, all of them. But of his kingdom there will be no end. That's one that's going to continue. That's one that will last forever. And, and, and then it says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? You notice what really got her? It wasn't all the news about the son that she was going to have. That, that wasn't um, amazing as much to her as the idea that she was going to be pregnant without having known a man. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? How can I have a son? How can I become pregnant since I do not know a man? You see, by Mary's own testimony, she was a virgin. She was unexperienced sexually with a man. Inexperienced. And Mary said, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel said, listen to this, I, this is, I don't know how a Christian can doubt the virgin conception and birth of Jesus Christ. I don't know how one can. I don't know how somebody who believes in God can doubt that. Because it, he said, she says, how can this be? And he answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. You think about creation. Think about what God did in creation. He spoke and out of nothing, everything. He spoke, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke and everything came into being. Now, if God can do that, and he can, then it would seem to me that 
that we ought to be able to believe that when God says this young lady, a virgin, is going to be pregnant because the Holy Spirit's going to speak pregnancy into her. I mean, I don't know how I did it exactly. If I did, well, I'd be him. But I don't know how we can doubt that. And yet there are many, many, many that do doubt it, that doubt that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. It seems to me she accepted that. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. You see, God had a purpose, and God's purpose was to send his son. God's purpose was to send a savior, one that would be the Messiah, the son of God who takes away the sin of the world, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he chose Mary to be the mother of that child. And even in all of these things going on with her, the fact that she was unmarried, the fact that she, um, that she is all brand new, the fact that she could be put to death if she is found to be with child, all of those risks and all of those worries. And she said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I see great trust in the God that she worshiped there. I see great peace. And you think about her life, and you think about the fact that as she was traveling with Joseph to go to Bethlehem, there had to be a great trust and a great peace. I wonder, as we think about what bothered her, first of all, was the words of the angel that she was troubled with his saying. I wonder if there's, you know, you think about it, and we get troubled with sayings a lot, don't we? Anybody ever said anything mean to you? Anybody ever said anything harsh to you? Sometimes people say things mean to you that are untrue. Sometimes people say things that are difficult to accept that might just be a true criticism or critique, and they're difficult. And yet in the midst of all of those things, if we are putting our faith and our trust in God, we know that those things don't matter. That if it's not true, something that's said about us, guess what? We don't have to worry about that. God's going to sort it all out in the end. And if it is true, it's a critique that we need to take into consideration, then it's up to us to take care of that and to fix that thing that was wrong in our life. And then we come sometime later to Joseph. We don't know how long it was before he got this news. But if you look in Matthew 1.18, and the birth of Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, being a just man, her husband, I notice you want to say, see that, Joseph, her husband, you see, even though they were betrothed, they hadn't, hadn't begun to dwell together, to live together. They had never consummated the marriage, and yet they were considered husband and wife. That's how strong that covenant commitment is and was. He was a just man, not in wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And when he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. I, I want you to know, anybody ever fall asleep thinking? 
most of you don't fall asleep thinking. Most of you stay up all night thinking, right? And if you are thinking you have too many things on your mind, it's going to keep you from thinking. Joseph is worn out probably, and he fell asleep thinking about all of these things. And an angel appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. So here we have Joseph referred to as husband, Mary referred to as wife. Joseph wondering about all of this. You see, what happened in order for a betrothal to take place was a man had to pay a bride price because the woman was worth something. The man was worthless. But not all of us. But the man had to pay a bride price because her dad was losing a worker, somebody that could help out around the house, somebody that could take care of things, watch the sheep, whatever else. And so in order to gain her, he had to pay a bride price. Joseph had done that, and now he found out, or thought he found out, that the price that he paid didn't make any difference. That the woman that he wanted to become his wife had been unfaithful. And so he was pondering and thinking, what in the world should I do? How should I do this? Should I go ahead and marry her? Should I put her away? How should I do all of this? And an angel appeared to her, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The next verse. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. Now, in, in that Luke text, what we see is you just see you shall call his name Jesus, but here we see why. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I want to come back to that in a little bit, but see, that's the message of Christmas. It's, it's beautiful to see photographs and pictures and, and uh, nativities and traces and stuff like that. It's beautiful to see all of that stuff, but there's an end purpose to all of this. It's not to worship a baby that's laying in a manger. It's to worship a risen Christ who died on the cross to save us from our sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated is God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Look at that. Isn't that something? He went and he got her. He had the house prepared, and he went and he got Mary. So read the last verse there. And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That speaks to a couple of things right there. One, it speaks to his honor. It speaks to his integrity. And two, it speaks to the fact that there were other natural-born children after Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. save his people from their sins. You see, that's the gospel message. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And you see, as we look at the idea of peace, we know that there's all kinds of trouble in the world. We know that there's, there's racial conflict. We know that there's political conflict. We know that there's conflict between nations, and sometimes there's conflict in, 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 the, in houses and homes between husbands and wives. 
conflict between parents and children. We know it is. But because Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins, we can have peace. Peace with God. Because we've received the forgiveness of sins from the one who was born in the manger, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, and will one day come to take us to the throne. My prayer, my hope, is that you have experienced, are experiencing this peace. That you are in a right relationship with God. That you have trusted His Son, Jesus Christ, as your own personal Savior. That you've given Him your life, you've surrendered to Him. That you now know that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity in the presence of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love and forgiveness. God, I thank you for the peace that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you sent him to be the Savior of the world. Father, I pray that as we prepare for Christmas, Father, we'll first of all do it by trusting in your Son, if there's anybody here today that has not trusted in Jesus, Father, I pray that today will be that time and that you'll give us the peace that we need and live the life that you call us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.